have a daughter who's 17, and she has inherited a, 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 a bad habit from my wife. Right? And I would like to think that she gets all her good habits from me, bad habits from the wife, but I, I realize that I have one or two things. But I'm going to attribute this one to my wife. My daughter rarely ever finishes a beverage. Okay, So around our house, littering everywhere, there's half-drank bottles of water, cups of soda and juice, just, just everywhere. So uh, when we're together, I don't mind helping myself to a little bit of her drink, okay? just to help her out and that we'll have more empty uh, vessels or around the house. So we were, we were watching a little TV and she had something she was drinking uh, and I thought it was a glass of nice cool water. Okay, so I, I, needed, I, I needed a drink. I didn't want to get up and go to the fridge. It was a whole 15 feet away. So I decided to help myself thinking it was water. And I don't, I don't know if this ever has happened to you. Have you ever taken a drink of something and you thought it was something else? Okay, so this was Sprite in this cup, not water. And so I took a drink, and you would think that your tongue would just delight in the sweetness and crispness uh, of the Sprite, but it mine did not. Okay, mine actually thought it was Lysol in the, uh, in the cup. It was disgusting, and I started spitting it out and uh, just made a general fool of myself in the living room. So then I had to get up and clean it up, but that's, that's a different story. What I, the point I want to make with my, my silly example and, and going forward is that our, our, our expectations affect perception. Right? I was expecting one thing, and that, uh, that affected my ability to perceive uh, what was in the cup. It was something good, but it was leaving a bad taste in my mouth. I like to golf, and, and yesterday I was actually golfing when Anthony texted me and asked me, asked me to come up and, and speak to you all that he needed me to be here. I don't get to do it that often. I tend to, to like golf. It gives me a chance to be contemplative uh, and look at the world around me. I know from messages I've heard Anthony speak that he doesn't respect golfers, so if I never come back, okay, if this is my last week, that you'll know why. God bless you guys. So, after I hit the one good shot golfing, I then envision myself as some PGA professional, right? I have this expectation that every shot's going to go exactly where I want it, the length I want it. I'm, I'm not going to lose any golf balls. And that, uh, if you played with me, you would know, sadly, is not the, the state of my golf game. So my unmet expectations end up affecting my ability to enjoy this recreation sometimes. I, I work out of it, so it, it's not all bad, but uh, it, there's definitely an impact that it sometimes makes. This happens uh, more seriously in our marriages, right, or other relationships. But in our marriage, when we marry someone, we, we all have expectations of how it's going to go, how life is going to be, right? I expected breakfast in bed and my wife to dance around, just happy to be in my presence all the time. But... That didn't happen, right? Uh, and, and I know that she has had expectations of me. So how do our expectations, though, impact our relationship? Right? It causes, it causes discouragement. It causes friction. It causes anxiety. When we expect a behavior of somebody, when we've placed this, this burden of how they're going to behave, uh, how they're going to be in our presence, and it doesn't necessarily come to fruition. So we might even have questions like, does this person even love me? 
Or what did I see in them in the first place? Because what's going on in my reality, in my life, doesn't match up with, with what I'm experiencing. And the truth is that a lot of our expectations are very self-focused. Right, if you think back to that day, if, if you are married or if you're just entering into a serious relationship, if you think back to your expectations, I would guess that almost all of them have to do with how this relationship was going to make you happy, how it was going to make you a better per- person. So it's all focused on you and, and how, how you are. We want things that build ourself up. And where this really becomes a negative is, is in our relationship with God. When we enter into our relationship with God and we carry in expectations of what he is going to do with our life and how our life is going to be different. And, and in truth, it will be different. Okay, we all know that. But I think we learn as we, we begin this process of discipleship and we, we enter into it daily, we realize that, that, that God's version of us is different than, than the version of us we want. And so we tend to, just like in our marriages, just like in my golf game, in our relationship with God, we judge our success and we judge our failure based on how it matches up with our expectations. So we make demands of God. We make uh, assumptions about who, we, who he is. And what happens is our expectations are then going to define how we respond to our circumstances. So... What we're going to do today is I, 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 I chose to speak about this because Easter's in a couple weeks. Easter is the most significant moment uh, for our faith, right? It defines everything that we stand on and, and, and we believe in. And I think this is the perfect time to do, uh, do a little evaluation of where we stand with Jesus and, and what our expectations are and, and how, we are, how we are pressing on. And so the question that I'm going to invite you to, to meditate on this morning and, and evaluate yourself and really reflect honestly on your life, okay? not for the purpose of shame, but for the purpose of change and letting God speak truth where you might be, you might be hanging on to a lie, is, is I want to think about this question, are you following your expectations of Jesus or are you simply, simply following Jesus? Are you following your expectations or are you following who Jesus, who Jesus is? And where we're going to turn first is we're going to go to the book of John. Okay, chapter 18, so we're heading toward the end of the book of John, and we are going to, we're going to look at one of the disciples uh, of Jesus, we're going to look at Peter, and this is, this is very close to Easter, this is, this is the end of, end of the Passion Week, and when we, when we, when we look in, Jesus has already been arrested, Jesus is already standing before, uh, he's standing before the religious leaders as he's beginning to face his trial. And this is when we look in on Peter and another disciple, which uh, we, we assume is John, because this is John's gospel. And so uh, if you have a Bible, if you have one on your phone, the verses are going to be on the screen. Uh, this is John chapter 18, and I'm going to look at verses 15 through 18, and then we're going to skip uh, to verses 25 to 27. We're just looking at the Peter part of this passage. So here we go. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is being arrested. There's this crowd that came to get him. They're, they're, they're bringing him where he's going to stand accused. And so uh, Peter and John, they are, they're following along with the crowd. 
because this disciple was known to the high priest, meaning John, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, then came back, spoke to the servant girl that was on duty, and brought Peter, brought Peter, or people, Peter's a people, but brought Peter in. So, so Jesus is being brought before the high priest. This is when, uh, this is when the whole thing starts, and, and I'm sure going into Easter, you're going to hear the story or, or, or read about it, how Jesus goes before the high priest, then he goes to Pilate, then he goes to Herod, and there's just a, a, lot, of, a lot of rigmarole going on. And so now John and Peter, who are two of Jesus' closest friends, as we're reading the Gospels, you know, Jesus had three disciples that he invited closer into him than he did the others. And, and Peter and John are, are two of them. And I, I think they're motivated at this point by what they hope to, to see out of Jesus. Because the disciples had definite expectations about who Jesus was and what he was supposed to be. So in case you're not aware, I just want to remind you of a little bit of the context that's going on around this, that Jerusalem, where, where they are, that is under Roman rule. Okay? The Roman Empire was occupying uh, the, the, this holy land. And, and so th- there, there was a lot of contentiousness. Rome tolerated the Jews at best because the Jews did not buy into the idea of, of Caesar as God on earth or, or, or any of that. So that they were not following the, the, the religion that the Roman Empire demanded. And, and Israel wanted no part of Rome even being there. It was a tinderbox. There were, there were terrorists trying to drive the, the Romans out. Uh, and so the will of the Jews and the Gentiles clashed politically, it clashed socially, it clashed religiously. Okay, this was not a good mix. It wasn't even oil and water. It was like gasoline in a match, okay? This is the, the mix that was going on. And so the Jews, who knew that they were the chosen people of God, they were expecting this Messiah to come as a political and military liberator, right? They wanted, they wanted freedom and release, from having these heathens occupy their land. And so the Jews were just biding their time. They were waiting for God to hear their cry and and to reach out. So this this is the expectation of the Messiah that Peter and the other disciples were were immersed in. And if you go back a few chapters in in John, when I was doing my when I was doing my morning time uh, this morning, I was in John chapter twelve, and one of the things that was mentioned there is that the the people, the crowds around Jesus, when when he was declaring that he was the Messiah, they said the the Messiah is going to remain with us forever. And this is in contrast to Jesus saying he's got to go and he's got to die and he's got to be lifted up. So there's there's disconnection here between who Jesus said he was going to be and what the Jews wanted in, in a Messiah. Jesus talked of dying, and all of this was affecting their, their perceptions. So continuing in, in John chapter 18, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, the servant girl that we just saw asked Peter. And he replied, I am not. Ooh, that's not good. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm, and Peter was also standing with them, warming himself. You see, in Peter's mind, this is not the way things were supposed to go. Jesus isn't supposed to be arrested. 
Jesus isn't supposed to be at the will and requiring the mercy of the religious leaders and the political leaders. Jesus was supposed to come and throw all that off. He was supposed to be bigger than this. He was supposed to be leading his disciples in this crowd that was following him in a, in a revolution. And so Peter, who, whose main concern at this point is his comfort, right? He's around a fire. He's trying to, he's trying to keep warm. He's, he's not where he should be. He's not at the side of Jesus. Even though if you go back through the story, Peter declares boldly, I will follow you wherever you go. He's unprepared for these circumstances that, that are coming around him. His perception affected how he was going to respond to the circumstances. So when the servant girl says, uh, are you one of his disciples too? In a totally, he's totally unprepared for this. He's unprepared for, for the Jesus that's going to be on trial and, and is going to die. He says, I'm not. He was afraid. So continuing on in John chapter 18, it says, Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. He must have been really cold. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And he denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. See, the, Jesus had told Peter this was going to happen. And he told Peter the moment that was going to mark when it happened. It was going to he said that before the rooster crows three times, or before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. There it was, third time, rooster crows. And I think that is a fantastic symbol that Jesus put into effect here. Because what, what do roosters do? Typically, roosters are there to wake you up out of your slumber, right? They crow in the morning when the sun rises. And so here is Peter. He's in this slumber of, of, of his expectations, of, of having his hopes being dashed, and the rooster crows, and this is his wake-up call. Okay, this is his wake-up that, that Jesus predicted this moment. Jesus knew, he cut through the bravado that, that Peter had put on display, and because Peter still did not know who he was following. And so what I love about Peter okay, is Peter is us. Right, this, no one fell harder than Peter did in this moment. Right? Peter, was, Peter was high or low, and at this point he is, he is walked off the cliff, and he is, his, he, is, he is descending. He visibly disappointed Jesus, even though he said he was going, not going to do that. And, and it's, I love this. This is what tells me that the Gospels are true. Right? The Gospels do not paint a good picture of the disciples. These guys aren't walking around perfect and doing everything the right way. These guys are flawed, just like we're flawed. And it's in his failures that I can so easily identify with Peter. Because what I really think he's doing is I, I think Peter was telling the truth unwittingly. Right? He's saying, are you a disciple of Jesus? And Peter's saying, I am not. Because he was following a different Jesus than what Jesus had said, Jesus, I'm going to die. Okay, my kingdom is not of this world. That's not the Jesus that Peter was, that Peter was following. And so Peter was not following a Jesus that came to die. Jesus was still following his expectations. So unfulfilled expectations left him devastated and confused, right? Because now, if, if you know the story, he, Peter runs away, and we don't hear from him for a while now. 
I'm sure he went into serious evaluation of who he was and who Jesus was and, and, and how he had just disappointed this, this man that he had followed around for, for three years and sworn his devotion to, right? And that's what we do, right? We've all sworn our devotion. If you're here and you've been, you've been baptized, you've been following Jesus, you have sworn your devotion to Jesus, but we still carry around expectations of other things, right? We still have things that we say, I will never do that. I will never disappoint you in this way, Jesus. But we still enter into those. There's still that broken part of us, that the, the, the conflict between, uh, between our, our human nature and this new nature that, that we have been given in Christ. And so, in case you doubt Peter's expect, uh, expectations, when you think about Jesus' or, uh, arrest on the soldiers, or if you go back and you read that account, um, the governor and the temple guards, they all came to arrest Jesus. Right? There's this, this two worlds. They're just about to collide. And, and Peter, probably Peter, Luke in his recollection of this tells us that the disciples asked this question, but I can only think it's got to be Peter because Peter was always the one that was ready at a moment's notice to, to jump into something, whether he was thinking about it or not. And the disciples asked Jesus, should we strike them with our sword? Right? The whole crowd's coming. That's when they thought, game on. Got my sword ready. Is this time? And, and, and so Jesus, or excuse me, Peter wanted to pull his sword out quicker than as if he was like Luke Skywalker. And this uh, Darth Vader was, was coming to get him. Sorry, a little bit of the nerd in me coming out. I try to hide it, okay? But it, sometimes it, it comes out. And so Peter, what he did, and we, we heard, heard about this in the verses I just read, he swung first. I'm guessing he said, Jesus, should we take out our sword as he was already in the motion of swinging? Okay, it had to be what was going on. And he cut off the high priest's ear. And that's when Jesus tells him to put your sword away. That's not, that's not what's going on right now. And Jesus heals the high priest. But we see even then that Peter's reaction to the situation was defined by what he wanted from Jesus. And I think we get motivated by what we want from Jesus instead of being motivated by who Jesus is and surrendering our life to him. And this expectation, this expectation developed and got bigger and bigger in the disciples despite Jesus' best efforts. At least three times, Jesus told the disciples, he pulled them aside and he told them, we are on our way to Jerusalem because I am going there to die. So we're going to go back in time a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to go into reverse to Mark chapter 8 just because I, I want to look at this, I want to look at this a, a little more. So Mark chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, it says, He began to teach them, that he being Jesus, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and after three days rise again. Right, you think that that's pretty clear that that would have sunk in as Jesus is repeating this message to his disciples. He spoke plainly about this. Okay, it's not like he spoke symbolically. It's not like you could misinterpret the words that he used here. He spoke very plainly about, about what was going to happen and what kind of Messiah he was going to be. And it just shows that our expectations, they can delude us. Right, they, they, can, they can blind us. So this, this totally conflicted with what, what the disciples thought. And the same is true with us, right? I, I just want to relate this because I'm not trying to come down hard on Peter and the other disciples, right? Because we can read in the Bible, if, if you have, if you've taken the time to, 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 to look at this, that Jesus promised that we're going to have trials, 
Jesus promised that the, the world is going to hate us. Jesus promised that suffering produces perseverance. Right? We're not immune to all this stuff. Yet we, we walk around when we're in Christ and we get surprised and we get hurt and we, and we think that we're doing something wrong or God is doing something wrong because it doesn't match with our expectations. So the end of that passage says that Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. So can you imagine this? Right, this, this is Jesus. This is the Jesus that had just fill, fed 5,000 people with, with some fish and some, some loaves. This is the Jesus that, that calmed a storm and walked on water and invited Peter to, to come and walk, walk with him. This is the Jesus that had raised the dead. This is Jesus that had healed people and made blind, the blind see. And, and despite all of those shows of power in the presence of the disciples, Peter takes Jesus aside and says, uh-uh. Uh-uh, that's not what you're here to do. His, Peter's expectations caused him to be blinded, and he couldn't understand who Jesus really was. And all the disciples suffered from this. Right? We can read in another instance where, where the disciples were walking along the road as they were, as they were going in the direction of Jerusalem, and they were, they were starting to get excited about what was coming, getting ready to come, and, and they started arguing about who among them was greatest. Who's going to get to sit at the right and the left? Like when Jesus is on his throne, who's going to be right there in little thrones beside him? Right? So they, they, they had their, 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 what they wanted. They wanted some power. They wanted their, their part in this kingdom. To, uh, and then they're perplexed when Jesus tells them that they don't know what, the, what they're asking for. The crowds evidence this as Jesus enters Jerusalem. Right, when Jesus enters Jerusalem, they laid palm branches before him. Okay, palm Sunday is next weekend. That's, the, that's when we commemorate and we think about that moment when Jesus is entering triumphantly into Jerusalem. And the, he's got accolades and the crowds are singing Hosanna, which means to save. And they're yelling, blessed is the king of Israel. Right? Blessed is the, this, this person that is coming to save us from the tyranny of, of the Romans. They wanted a king. Everybody had created a box for Jesus to fit in. And the irony there is, if you know the story, just a few days later, instead of singing Hosanna and singing blessed is the, the king of Israel, the crowds are shouting crucify him. And they're, they're asking to have a, a terrorist released into their presence rather than have Jesus released in their presence because that better fit their expectations. So continuing on in, in this Mark chapter 8, it says, But when Jesus turned and looked at his, his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And he said, Get behind me, Satan. You do, not have in the, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So Jesus knew. He knows what's in our heart. He knows what we're basing our, our life and our identity on. And he calls the disciples out on it. Because he knew that their conflict was because they were fighting human concerns rather than the concerns of God. And so, what expectations do you have for your life in Christ? I've taken a long time to set this up, going through with Peter and the disciples. Right? But do you expect that your, your life is supposed to be free of, of conflict? Uh, do, you, do you expect that when you come into Christ or you are in Christ that, that your, your marriage is, is never going to experience any troubles? 
Do you expect when you're in Christ that you're, you're not going to lose your job or you're not going to miss out on a promotion? Or do you expect that uh, your kids aren't going to get sick? I mean, what, what is that expectation that, that you have? It's different for all of us. Okay? And, but those are our expectations. They're not necessarily promises that Jesus makes to us about, about who we are. So are you following a Jesus who can do something for you? Or are you following a Jesus who came to save you? See, when, when we follow a Jesus that can do something for us, we become circumstantial Christians. Right? When things are good, when things are breaking my way, me and God are tight. I must be doing everything right. And when things start going bad, God must be against me, or God must be distant, or he must be asleep, or I don't know what's going on, but I, I know that there's got to be a problem between me and, and who God is. And while we don't hope for a, a political ne- liberator necessarily, we might, we might be sucked into thinking, does God want us to be happy? Like, is, is that his highest priority for me? And we use that as a basis for our decisions. And we follow what makes us happy rather than following Jesus. And our unmet expectations then become excuses to pursue the things that we, that we want. Right, and we could go through a whole litany of examples, right? But we could think about, uh, we could think about our, our marriage. Well, if God wants me to be happy and my marriage isn't making me happy, maybe, maybe I can rationalize that this other person is where God wants me to go, right? When, when I'm following a Jesus that, that desires my happiness above everything else. Or, or if, you, if you're just dating, right, it makes it real easy to start to, to cut corners in the dating process, Right? Oh, well, you know what? If God wants me to be happy, and even though maybe there's a lot of red flags with this person, I'm, I'm, going, to enter, I'm going to enter in this relationship anyway. Or maybe your expectations of God cause this barrier to, to following him deeper because you expect God to be this bitter and angry and judgmental and vindictive entity. And so you, you, can't, you, you can't, why would you want to enter into a relationship with that? I wouldn't blame you. Okay, our expectations can work both ways. But, but I find in followers of Christ that, that I've come in contact with when I've been part of a church staff and when I, when I coach, that, that more often than not what we want is, and what we fall into and what we believe is that Jesus is like our magic pill. That when we follow him, everything is going to be made better. I'm not going to struggle with, with that addiction. I'm not going to struggle with that particular desire. Uh, that it's all going to go away. And we, we forget about the cross that Jesus asks us to, to bear as we're, we're following him. When our eyes are focused on human concerns, Jesus becomes a means to an end rather than being the end himself. So what is your expectation of Jesus? Maybe something's come into your mind. Maybe I'm hoping that this is striking a chord in the heart of who you are. Because what I'm trying to help, uh, help you do, and what I, as I've been preparing for this, it's helped me developing awareness. It, 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 that is a lifelong process. We gotta be aware of our brokenness and, and, how, and the things that we are so inclined to pursue that take us away from God. We've got to be aware of the assumptions that we make about what it means to be whole and how we, how we attain that. We need to be aware of what promises Jesus does and does not make to us as we are, as we are his disciples. 
right? And, and we've, got to, we've got to really be ready to address the questions that, that we ask ourselves, you know, because we, 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 when we don't get what we want, we can, we can ask the questions in, in a spiritual sounding way. Right? We could say something like, why did God let this happen? Or why didn't my prayer get answered? Or how could doing this thing that, that feels so right be, be a sin? And there, there's a long list of questions that, that we have like that. And, and a lot of them are just, are just camouflaged ways of saying, why can't I get what I want? My wife, was watching, my wife was watching a TV show, and I, I, was, I was reading, uh, which I don't know how I'm able to do that, why, she, why she's watching a TV show. And she's watching this show, and I don't remember the name. All I remember about this show is there was lots and lots of, of soliloquies in it. Everybody had a speech. Okay, there was no real conversation. It was just speech after speech, and uh, it became kind of a, a little joke to time all these speeches, but that's just what I do for enjoyment. But... There was this scene in this particular show where, where a Christian woman, she, was, she ha- had something wrong with her, and she had decided to refuse treatment. So I'm, I'm guessing it was some sort of doctor show, th- which I'm sure there's thousands of. And so the, when she refused treatment, the doctor angrily chases her down, uh, down the hallway, and he says something to the effect of this, I don't believe in God, but if I did, he would not be a God who wanted you to live with this disease. Right, so the people who were writing this show and they wrote the words for this doctor had a clear expectation of God, right? No suffering. By, by the way, don't take spiritual advice from a person whose first words are, I don't believe in God, right? That might be the opposite uh, of what you should do. Anyway, that's an aside. Sorry about that. Probably shouldn't have said it. Unmet expectations lead to a crisis in belief. And they lead to a dissatisfaction with, with our faith. Right? I'm sure if, if you're familiar with the story and you've read it, that, that, that you've wondered like I've wondered, how can these crowds, these same crowds that were, were singing Jesus' praises just a few days ago, now how, how come they are just perfectly comfortable to shout crucify him and, and kill him? How, how can they be comfortable having somebody who was a murderer uh, back, uh, back among them? And the plain answer is disappointment, right? They, they, Jesus didn't live up to their expectations. He was standing before them bleeding and wearing a crown of thorns and he was chained up. That's, that's not who they were following. So if you're expecting happiness, what happens when, when, when you're not happy? If, you, if you're expecting uh, prosperity and everything to be going your way, what happens when everything is not going your way? becomes a crisis of, of your faith. Our expectations erode our faith, become circumstantial. God gets set up to fail because he didn't promise that in the first place. And Paul, who is uh, one of the later disciples that came and he started planting churches all through Asia, he wrote over half of the New Testament in his letters to different churches, the way he describes this is that you have a faith that's tossed about on the waves. You're being blown here and there by different teaching, by different circumstances, and you're never settled, you're never secured, you're never based on on the rock. If you want to read about that, that's in Ephesians chapter 4. So like Peter by the fire or the crowds yelling crucify, we can turn on God when when our expectations let us down. So continuing, one more verse in Mark chapter 8, it says this, then he, then he called the crowd to him 
and along with his disciples said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So what Jesus is saying is you can't just sprinkle in a little bit of Jesus into your life uh, and, and just hope for the best. You can't just add a little bit of Jesus to who you already are and think that God's going to be perfectly satisfied like this. Like, like Jesus is the spackle that you buy in Home Depot to cover up all the holes that you put in your wall before, before you sell the house, right? So I'm just going to spackle up the, the parts of me I don't want anybody to see with little Jesus. The rest of me is going to stay okay and, and, and things are going to be fine. What Jesus says is it goes deeper than that, that you have to deny yourself And denying yourself is the antidote to expectations. So rather than having our our false self, okay, that's when we pursue wholeness apart from God, rather than having just our false self abated, Jesus wants us to seek out our true self in him. And Paul, when he's writing to the Philippians, he said that our attitude should be the same as Christ, who did not consider equality with God something that he, was, he, he could grasp. Right? Jesus, is, Jesus is God, but Jesus is human. Okay? It's one of the amazing mysteries and tensions that we have as followers uh, of Jesus. And, and what that means is don't box God in. Don't create a God that, that you have made which is a message that is so completely opposite to what our culture wants us. We're supposed to, we're supposed to make God in our image. We're supposed to make a God that, that we are comfortable following. We're supposed to make a God that's not going to make demands of us or have us do anything that's too, too painful. And what our culture says is to deny yourself is wrong. We should deny ourselves nothing. But what that causes is chaos and confusion. See, God loves us, what we are told, then he'll aid us, right? He'll give us what we want. And so what happens is we become this slave to our expectations. We're following the false Jesus. But here's what Jesus promises. He doesn't promise that we'll be enslaved. He promises freedom. He promises, he promises rest. He promises that when we are in his presence and we, we are turned to the image of God and we're letting the light uh, in, then we have freedom. We have the peace that, that he promised. He describes it as rest. And so the circumstance of your life might be rough, which I think is probably the reality for most all of us. But if the circumstance of our life is rough, the reality is we still have freedom in Christ because we're free from being defined by those things. We're free to pursue Jesus and, and be at rest in God. So have you ever told your kids or told somebody, do as I say, not as I do? Right? Classic words. My parents said it once. I think then they saw the flaw in that. Uh, so another, that's a whole other issue. Maybe I'll talk about that next time I come. But see, this is the thing. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't say, do as I say, not, not as I do. He says, do as I did. He came to us. He left heaven by choice. He, and he experienced all of these things while he walked this planet. He experienced abandonment. He experienced abuse. He experienced disappointment and grief. He went hungry. He had nowhere. He told one of the the people who wanted to follow him at the beginning, I have nowhere to lay my head. He was homeless. 
He, he experienced uncertainty. All of the things that we are trying to avoid, he walked into headfirst on purpose. He was tempted in every way. He, the, in John chapter 12, it says that he, Jesus said his soul was troubled. So he was experiencing spiritual uncertainty and conflict in, in the human part of him. So Jesus, though, he was God. He had every right to act like God. He had every right to come and, and have, a, have a rod of steel and just start beating people out of his way. I mean, that, that this is the world that he created. But Jesus denied himself. He denied himself and he walked among us and his eyes were focused on the things of God rather than the things of man. He had the expectation that he was going to do God's will. He had the expectation that he was going to be at odds in the world. And sometimes that doesn't really sound like the most hope-filled message, right? He's inviting us to, to more of the things we're, we're trying to avoid. But the, but, the, the, but the payout is a million times better than anything that the human concerns could provide. So earlier I told you uh, that I love Peter because I identify with his failures. But what I'm hoping, my light, what, what happens with my life, is that I, that I emulate his successes too. Because 2,000 years later, we're in a church that he helped propagate. Right? He took the message of Jesus, he took his failure, and he turned it into great success, spreading the word, baptizing people, inviting them into the church, taking the keys to the kingdom and, and, and expanding it. And, and one of the things we know from history is that Peter went to Rome at the end of his life. And he himself was going to be crucified. And before they killed him, they made him watch as they led his wife away to be killed. So if Peter was still following his expectations, right, what would his reaction be at this point? So, honey, I didn't think this was going to ha- be how it ends, right? I'm really sorry that I got you into this. Or maybe God doesn't love us clearly, or he's abandoned us, or where is he? But here's the last words that are recorded of Peter in this moment. And this is spoken from the freedom and the peace and the rest that comes from denying yourself. He said, remember the Lord. Right, the last minutes he was telling his wife, which I'm sure was like, I mean, how painful is that, right? You're watching the one you love go away to be, to be killed by others. And he just says, remember the Lord. And I think that's great advice for us as we are getting close to Easter and we are preparing, we're reflecting on who we are and, and what we're striving for in Christ is remember the Lord. What are your expectations as you are, as you are in Christ? And it's, this is, such a good thing to take a look at our faith and the barriers and the healthy expectations, but then the unhealthy ones that we carry with us. Is your faith in Jesus plus something else or is your faith in Jesus alone? So once again, I'm just going to ask you, are you following your expectations or are you following Jesus?